Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey, well, hello. It's been a long time. This is Stephen Holder. I am back. It's been quite some time since I've done the last episode, uh, but here again for another episode of Horseshoes with Holder. It's been a little quiet, obviously, uh, it being the off season, so we haven't done this, I don't believe, since uh, the end of the playoffs back in January. So you haven't heard from me for a while, at least in this medium, so... I'm glad to be back, though. I'm going to try to get back on the horse here, no pun intended, <laughs> and kind of get back into a regular habit of doing these. So I apologize for being sort of off the grid a little bit, at least as it relates to this podcast. Still been working, obviously, and putting in lots of time for The Athletic. I am the Colts beat writer for TheAthletic.com, The Athletic NFL, as you probably know, but uh, don't want to forget about the podcast and the uh, listeners that I'm very thankful for out there. So anyhow, why am I back? Well, duh, there's a lot going on, as you probably know. Whole lots of stuff going around, going on, excuse me, around the NFL right now. It's free agency. So you know what that means? Teams with all the money, they get all the attention. And that's the Colts. <laughs> so they got $100 million and they're going to spend all of it, damn it. Or so people seem to think. Uh, but if you've been listening to me, and if you're a smart fan and, and you pay attention, you probably know that's not the case. I'm not saying they won't spend money. I'm not saying they won't go after uh, some players who are seen as uh, elite players. But but you know their, their MO, and it's not their style to go out there and just throw money at the wall. So that's just not what they do. They have a real philosophy here at work. It's not about money, and we'll get into all of that. We'll also get into what some of their needs are and and what my thoughts are there. And then we'll also touch on some of the Colts' own free agents and, and what the process will be there and where things stand on some of those guys, Pierre Desir, etc. So at the top, though, let's jump right into the Colts' current situation as it relates to outside free agents. So let me just dive right into where I'm coming from here. Uh, nothing's going to change, okay? And by that, what I mean is, it, it's not it's not me saying the Colts will never uh, sign a big ticket free agent. Uh, they might indeed do that, but 
they're going to do it on their terms, okay? They're not going to be the team that jumps out there and, and from the beginning overpays for a guy. That's not their style. Uh, they want to see where the market's at. They want to see how things fall and slow play things to some extent. And when you take that approach, sometimes you're not going to get out there and, and make a move like the Oakland Raiders apparently have done and made Trent Brown apparently the highest paid offensive lineman in NFL history. Well, hey, I mean, that may well work out. I don't know. But if it doesn't work out, obviously that is a very high risk um, proposition that they're making there. So that has to work out. And he's not going to be inside that Patriots incubator anymore. So, you know, I think you're obviously taking some leaps there. But but the point is, I'm not saying anybody's right or wrong. I'm just telling you that's not the Colts style. And so I, I know that there's been a lot of questions as to whether this philosophy would sort of evolve now that the Colts are a much better football team than we envisioned, right? I mean, this is not – they are not the team we thought they were uh, coming into 2017 or excuse me, coming into 2018 even. Uh, so what the last half of last season revealed to us in very dramatic fashion was that this football team is much further along than we thought. So what does that tell us? And what should that tell us? And what should that do in terms of influencing the Colts' moves going forward? Do they sort of accelerate their plan? Do they now change and go into sort of a different mode and see this team as one that's perhaps a few players away from making a run at the Super Bowl? Well, whether or not they are that team, uh, that remains to be seen. But I will tell you this, uh, Chris Ballard doesn't believe that. That's going to have a big influence on his approach. I can tell you that. And my sources inside the organization have been very clear. Nothing's going to change. Again, that doesn't mean they won't spend money. It means they're still going to be very methodical as it relates to free agency. It probably means they're not going to go out there and sign the Le'Veon Bells. I'm just telling you, it doesn't preclude them from doing that because they never said they wouldn't do that. I mean, this is the team that gave, uh, excuse me, John Hankins $10 million just a couple of years ago. Okay, so let's not pretend, let's, let's not act like they would never spend money. I mean, John Hankins was, you know, sort of a, you know, a good but not great defensive lineman and they gave him $10 million for one year. So, I mean, again, they have players on their roster making more money than that and $10 million doesn't go as far as it used to in the NFL. I get that. But I'm just making the point that Chris Ballard's not a guy who's only going to sort of sign three or $4 million guys. And there's evidence of that already. So let's just be clear and let's have an honest conversation. So, but as it relates to where they stand right now, it's been made very clear to me that this is, this is business as usual for the Colts in free agency, okay? They are taking the very same approach. Does that mean they won't go out and try to sign Landon Collins? I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying they're going to stay within their parameters. They're not going to get outside of themselves. And the philosophy is the philosophy. And listen, here's why that's important. And here's why I understand it. It, having a philosophy doesn't make you right, okay, in any field or in any industry. However, not having a philosophy means you're an idiot, <laughs> okay? You have to have some governing principles, and there are some teams that have a different way of going about things. It, look, the goals are all the same for everybody. There's different ways to skin a cat, right? You can get there in different ways. But the bottom line is, 
if you care about the Colts, what you need to know is this is their philosophy. And free agency is going to be an accessory. It's never going to be, it's never going to have an outsized influence on their roster. And they are very clear about that. So there's really no reason for you to wonder or to have questions. They've been very clear. And it's been made very clear to me behind the scenes that nothing's changing. So what you've heard in the past it still applies no matter if you think the landscape has changed, the philosophy has not changed. So what I think you should expect, you know, in this particular free agency period is probably more the same. They'll talk to guys during this tampering period started today on Monday as I'm recording this. Over the next 48 hours, they have an opportunity to talk to free agents. This is a great opportunity to see where the market is on some of these guys. You know, I talked to the agent of a very prominent free agent who a lot of you have talked about, um, but I'll leave him nameless for the moment because this was an off-the-record conversation. But I had this conversation with a guy back at the Combine, the agent for this particular player, back at the Combine, and I, I was trying to get a sense of whether he and I should keep in touch because I wanted to know if he thought the Colts might be in play for his guy. And he said, you know what? All this is smoke and mirrors right now. It doesn't matter. He says, let's talk in a couple weeks. So we'll see if we talk this week. Probably won't take my phone calls, but that's just the business. But anyhow, (laughs) uh, I'll have to remind him that he told me to call him. The point is, I think this is the week where you'll get a better read on some of that. Obviously, I talked about the Trent Brown signing, and there will be some other signings that fall into, that, that sort of leak out here in the next 48 hours. But for all but, you know, a, a small percentage of free agents, uh, these 48 hours are really going to determine where their markets are. So the Colts want to get in on those conversations. And they may have very little intention of signing a particular guy, but they still should, it's good business still to check in and figure out where it is. So I think they'll do that. They are, they're not idiots. Uh, they know the good players from the bad players. I mean, they see what you see, right? So, so they'll do their due diligence and then we'll go from there and see where this thing ends up. Uh, but again, they're not changing their philosophy. So don't expect it. Now, what are they doing? Well, let's talk about a couple things. Uh, you've seen a couple moves here in the last month or so that I think are very important. Uh, you saw the Colts re-sign Mark Glowinski. So that's an example of, of Chris Ballard doing what he has said. And you can like Chris Ballard. You cannot like Chris Ballard. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. But one thing I will tell you is that the man is very clear about what he says he's going to do. And he says it, and then he does it. He says he's going to resign his own. The guys that they deem worthy of bringing back, the guys that they have developed, well, they did a damn good job developing Mark Glowinski, and he did an exceptional job of taking advantage of his opportunities. So they've got a five-man offensive line intact going into 2019, and that's not something I don't, I don't believe I've ever said about the Indianapolis Colts. So that's just amazing. Uh, they still got improvement to make obviously and there's still there's always improvements you can make but certainly you know with what Frank Reich sees as an upgrade in the coaching staff on the offensive line uh, important moves have been made there and then keeping that offensive line intact uh, that's a just an incredible boost for 2019 and then last week we saw Marcus Hunt get re-signed he's coming off a career year never saw that coming I wasn't quite sure whether they'd re-sign him 
I thought maybe age would be a consideration there. I'm sure it was, but I, I think if he plays a limited role, which I believe he will, uh, if they can manage his snaps, uh, that should keep him productive and healthy. And I think they'll get a lot out of Marcus Hunt. He has found a home here, and he's really got some versatility that they like to take advantage of, especially with his ability last year to play nose tackle, which no one ever envisioned. I certainly didn't see that coming. But uh, they made they saw fit, I should say, to give him a two-year contract. So he's back. Uh, he's, he's actually going to make more money on this new contract than he did on his previous two-year deal because who was Marcus Hunt two years ago? He was just a special teams player, frankly, in Cincinnati, and he has reestablished himself or really, I guess, for the first time, really established himself as a key contributor on the defensive side. So uh, good job, again, by the, by the team getting the most out of the player and the player taking advantage of the opportunity, much like the Glowinski situation there. Now, let's move the ball a little bit toward the outside free agents. Now, we know we know who's out there and won't go through all the names, but uh, there's I'll, I'll tackle Landon Collins here, okay, because I do think he makes some sense for the Colts. He makes a lot of sense for the Colts. Now, again, I'm not telling you this is going to happen, but since it is a popular subject right now, I'll tell you what I, could, what I can about how the Colts see him. Is he a scheme fit? Yes. He definitely fits. They see him as a scheme fit. Does he work in terms of the money? Are they going to chase him, overpay him? Well, I don't know. We got to see about all that. But the key on Landon Collins, I think if you're going to pay a guy big money, is he has to be a guy who's going to have incredible impact in your scheme and your style of defense. And for Landon Collins in this defense, it's a really good fit. And the reason for that is there's a couple of reasons. Number one, they really stress tackling by their DBs in this defense. We, we have seen Clayton Gathers, I think, really play pretty well, I thought, in this defense and be a really physical and important tackler on this defense, especially playing down in the box, which, which they love to do with Clayton Gathers. Now, he's a free agent. We'll get to him later. And he's got that injury history, so that's a complicated subject. I'll tackle that in a second, so stay with me. But as it relates to Landon Collins, I, I think this is a really good fit. And the other thing to mention here is it's something that it really intrigues me about Landon Collins. Think about this. One thing that Matt Eberflus, the defense coordinator, really likes to do or really did out of necessity last year was blitz with other players, okay, non-defensive linemen, uh, defensive backs in many cases, right? So we saw Clayton Gathers blitz uh, from time to time. The guy who I thought really established himself as a weapon in that regard was Kenny Moore. Clearly Darius Leonard, but I think with the linebacker, that's not so surprising. He was really good at it, but but it's not a surprise that you'd use a linebacker to blitz. What did surprise me was using the corner to blitz as much as they did in, in Kenny Moore. And so now as it relates to Landon Collins, that to me is just so intriguing. Can you imagine Landon Collins blitzing from or playing in the box and blitzing in this scheme this guy is a heat-seeking missile if he gets to the quarterback it's a wrap and i think he's a guy who can get there more often than not so that really really intrigues me the the possibility of landon collins with matt eberflus and what kind of opportunities that might open that to me is really really interesting so 
just something to kind of chew on a little bit there. I think that could be very, very interesting. Now, when it comes to uh, another guy who's out there, uh, sort of kind of out there, he's been franchised, but there's been some conversation, D. Ford. Well, I do have a little intel on this. What's interesting about D. Ford, he's obviously franchised by the Kansas City Chiefs, but they apparently are looking to trade him if if people are interested, right? And this would be sort of a sign-and-trade scenario. You see that sometimes, uh, I think, in the NBA, oftentimes. Uh, it's, it's sort of that type of situation. You trade him and he'd agree to a, to a, new, tr- to a new contract. So that way you've got him under contract. You know you, you have a finite situation on both sides. So that's certainly doable. I don't think that's going to take you know, crazy draft compensation. Uh, but here's the thing as it relates to the Colts. Their view of this situation is interesting. They find it a little odd that Kansas City's making him available. <laughs> now, I don't know if the Justin Houston decision has any bearing on, on D Ford's availability. Maybe, maybe not. I, I'm not sure. You would think that it has some relationship there, and maybe it makes D Ford less likely to be traded. But uh, but certainly the fact that he's available, I think has raised some red flags for the Colts because why? Because if you have a great pass rusher, why would you give him away? <laughs> right? I mean, here are the Colts are begging for a, a, a great pass rusher to fall to them in the NFL draft, which, you know, may or may not be the case, but uh, I just, I'm not really getting indications that, that that is a, a move that's likely uh, when it comes to the Colts. I, I just think they have some real key questions there. So, that's really interesting, uh, but but I just don't. I, I was intrigued by the D Ford situation, so I looked into that. But I just don't think that's something that's going to happen. So we'll see what Kansas City does. Maybe the keeps. Maybe, maybe the Colts will keep tabs on them, but I don't see it happening. So anyway, I got a lot more for you. Let's take a quick break here from our sponsor. I'll be back on the other side. Hang in there for more horseshoes with Holder. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, 
We'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. All right, welcome back. Lots more to talk about here on Horseshoes with Holder. Let's talk about some of the Colts' own free agents. They've got a few guys I think are worth discussing here. And one, I guess the the guy that's most interesting to me is cornerback Pierre Desir. And this is a guy who, for the second year in a row, second offseason in a row, is going to be a free agent. Uh, last year, remember, he this played out pretty similarly. Uh, he went into free agency, tested the market, was actually on the market for a little bit, and then, after all was said and done, came back and re-signed with the Colts on a one-year deal. Now, he's in a situation this year where both sides, the team and Pierre's uh, representation, everyone seems to be on the same page. He's going to test the market, see where this goes. Now, he's probably got a little bit more leverage this year because now he's put together two good seasons back-to-back as opposed to the one breakout season where teams are a little less likely to buy into that. But now I think two years in a row, Pierre Desir has had a very formidable performance and I think that's going to help him I think he's going to be a more marketable free agent this time around than he was one year ago but the Colts have decided to let him test the market nonetheless he's going to be out there we'll see what happens the next 48 hours as I said before that will be very telling that will give his camp an indication of where he stands and I think what the Colts do then is they want him to then come back and and let them know what the market is and so what you're doing there is you're letting the rest of the league set the market as opposed to guessing what the market is now it can be a mistake to do that but it could also work out for you right in, in the case of last season it worked out because the market for Pierre Desir was soft Pierre Desir wanted to get paid last year he was I thought somewhat disappointed by what he got but you know the market is the market this year he's got a couple things going for him there's not a very good cornerback market and again, as I said, he's coming off two solid seasons. So Pierre Desir is in a stronger position this year than he was last year. Now, whether he gets what he wants, I have no idea what his demands are, what he's asking for, but I think we'll, I think he will have a better sense of it here in the next 48 hours. The other thing to say here is uh, the Colts, they, they know this, okay? And they have to be prepared to deal with it accordingly. So they, they won't be caught flat-footed here, I don't believe. It's just going to be a matter of whether they want to get it done and whether they see it as prudent you know, when the numbers come back. So that's just something we're going to have to let play out here for a little bit. I don't think we're going to get an answer uh, before at least the middle of the week, if not later. So let's see how that goes. Uh, but that's a very interesting situation. Uh, the Colts do have to deal with that position, that cornerback situation. Um, I don't think they're in terrible shape there. But they're thin, and that's my concern. I think they need to deal with this. Uh, I, I think the, the best case scenario is getting Pierre Desir back, in my view. But again, it's not my money, so we'll see where this goes. Now, the other guy that I find interesting, and I also don't think we'll get answers on soon, is Dontrell Inman. This guy 
I could never have imagined the impact he'd have after signing, what, I think week six last year, and kind of coming off the street and becoming, at some points of last season, really the number two receiver. I mean, that was just phenomenal what he was able to do, uh, just kind of coming out of nowhere. But he had some advantages, having been with Frank Reich in San Diego with the Chargers, knew some of the scheme, knew a lot of the scheme, knew a lot of the terminology. So, you know, it's it makes it easy when you're a veteran guy and you've got that background to slide right in and have an immediate impact. So, and I also want to give Andrew Luck some credit for recognizing that guy's ability to help them and putting his trust in him. I thought Andrew Luck immediately learned to trust Dontrell Inman and that really, I thought, bred results pretty quickly between those two and you saw a really good connection there so let's see though now he's also from all indications going to test the market because the Colts are going to let him so it's not as if it's his choice the Colts are are fine letting Dontrell Inman go out there see what his market is I think that makes some sense as well listen here's the thing about Dontrell Inman look he was very good for the Colts last year but the truth of the matter is he's still not a guy with a big robust market so it makes some sense to let that play out I think this is another situation where the Colts say hey come back to us with a number based on what you get out there and then we'll go from there uh, that's that's a very plausible way of going about these things there's different ways as I said before you can go about these things in many different ways but this is one very effective way so that you're not negotiating against yourself. You know, a lot of times that happens. I think one situation that comes to mind for me is the Dwayne Allen situation a couple of years ago with Ryan Grixon. You know, you could argue the Colts were negotiating against themselves in that instance because he walked away with a $29 million deal, but was anybody else going to pay Dwayne Allen $29 million? I don't know. I think it's a really fair question, right? So in this instance, the Colts are, I think, very much trying to protect against that kind of situation. So what the way you do that is you let other teams set the market for you and then you act accordingly. So we'll see where things go with Dontrell Inman. I think the prudent thing is to try to get him back, but let them do what they do and then we'll see how this goes. I, I think they're, I think they have a plan. They have a, a philosophy and a process, and I think it's just got to play out. So we will see. Another guy, I mentioned him earlier, and he think he's really interesting just in terms of how this all plays out. Clayton Gathers. Love the guy. Love his game. Love his attitude. On the field, off the field. Great guy to have in your locker room. But there are some realities with Clayton Gathers that we just have to deal with. And I think you know what it is, okay? Can he stay on the field? I mean, this guy has missed, I believe, 24 games in the last four years. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot. Uh, he's had a career-threatening neck injury. Uh, there's just been a lot going on with Clayton Gathers. And it's, it's just, it's really hard because the Colts love this guy, as they should, as many fans do. But you can't sit here and separate the health from the, the free agency you can't I mean that's just not possible and I, I don't know how else you do it I think you have to factor that in and the Colts are certainly doing that from everything that I've been told so a couple things on Clayton Gathers he is 
I think, going to be a guy who they take a wait-and-see approach on, very much like the other guys. But for him, it's even more pronounced. And the reason for that is, whereas I talked about Desir and Inman, those two spots, cornerback and wide receiver, it's pretty thin out there on the free agency market. Now, at safety for Clayton Gathers, you have the complete opposite scenario. You've got a scenario here where there's tons of safeties out there. It's a very it's a market flush with safety talent. And he's going to be competing with some really, you know, elite players at that spot. So, you know, we're talking about the Landon Collins and you know, Tyron Matthews. And so he's got a lot of guys he's competing with out there. And so I, I think, in, and he also has uh, some, he, he also loses some leverage because the Colts have the ability to bring back Matthias Farley for a pretty, uh, a relatively meager salary. I think they can do that for about $2 million uh, as, his, as he's a restricted free agent. We should hear about that here in the next day or so. I presume they're bringing him back. I don't see why you wouldn't. I know Chris Ballard's a big fan, so I expect that to happen. We forget about Farley. He was on injured reserve for most of last season, but he's a guy who has made a lot of big plays for this team and has been a very big, I think, uh, contributor the last couple of years, even as a backup. He's come in and has played really solid football when called upon. So, that is another guy, I think, who reduces Clayton Gathers' leverage here. So, you know, could Clayton Gathers end up signing an incentive-laden contract? I think that's a possibility. Uh, that might be the best-case scenario for him and the Colts. If he can stay healthy and he's got a, a contract that puts a lot of emphasis on, on games played and has per-game roster bonuses, as you see oftentimes, that can pay off. If you're on the field, you're going to make more money. So we've seen the Colts do that. They did it with uh, Jack Muhort last year. Now, that didn't work out. His knees did not hold up. He elected to retire before the season. But I think you could use a very similar approach and mechanisms in that contract that are very similar to Jack Muhort's. More money, most likely, but still a very similar approach from the structure. Uh, that could be very interesting. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, but but a really tough call on Clayton Gathers, I feel like, and uh, we'll just have to see how that plays out. Uh, I mentioned restricted free agency. Well, the other guy outside of Farley who I think needs to be discussed is Chester Rogers. Now, he is a very controversial topic among some of you. Uh, I see him uh, for what he is. He's a guy who has the ability to make some plays uh, when called upon. And he can also let you down, okay? And he's done that. But but I do think on the whole, Clayton Gathers is a guy who, if we're talking about, you know, pretty, you know, relatively meager money here, a couple million dollars, I think I'd want to have Chester Rogers on my team. And then we'll see how, how it goes. Look, I mean, he's got to fight it out. He's got to earn his spot. He's got to, that's a non-guaranteed deal, remember? So he's going to have to carve out his spot, all right? They may draft a guy. You got Deion Cain coming back. I mean, there's there's going to be competition, and we'll see how the cards fall. But uh, but certainly, with, a, with the receiver situation being what it is, I don't think they can just kind of walk away from Chester Rogers not knowing what they can or can't acquire. So, so I think the odds are good they pull the trigger and tender him, but... I've not gotten a straight answer on that, so I'm a little hesitant to uh, 
to call it a done deal. And only other thing I'd mention on the Colts free agents, they're, they're inside in-house free agents. Uh, I mentioned the other day, I told you on Twitter, if you saw this, Marcus Johnson, exclusive rights free agent. I like this kid. They're bringing him back. Uh, he basically gets tendered what's basically a, a minimum salary offer. He doesn't have the ability to negotiate with any other team, so he'll be in training camp. He's come a long way from his injury. He, he looked pretty good by the end of the season. So now that we're two and a half months out from the end of the season, I think he's going to be pretty far along, or maybe a couple months out. Uh, he's he's going to be pretty far along, and he felt there, there was a good chance he could be uh, participating in the offseason. If not, he certainly should be ready for training camp. I, I think this kid will be in the mix. Frank Reich likes him. Uh, he's got a history with him, so keep him in the back of your head. You know, not a household name, but just a guy, I think, to sort of consider when you're running through the receiving options and, and who's on this team. Uh, other than that, we're talking about Luke Rhodes, long snapper. I assume they do that. That should be a, you know, sort of a procedural move there. So that's kind of the rundown on what the Colts are looking at. Um, I'll, I'll do a little bit of a sales job here real quick before I wind this down. Um, I had a story last week on The Athletic about uh, sort of the under-the-radar free agents, and I threw out some names in there. I, I really like Preston Smith. I think he'll still get paid. I've, I call them under-the-radar, but I think he'll still get pretty big money. Uh, he's obviously the Washington Redskins outside linebacker playing up there for Greg Minuski uh, with the Washington Redskins, but I think in a situation where he is a, a three-down defensive end with his hand in the dirt I think this guy could be much more effective his sack numbers are not very impressive okay I'll give you that but he's also a guy you have to consider plays outside linebacker he's got to sometimes take backs out of the backfield he's got to cover drop into coverage so he's not a full-time pass rusher uh, but I think he's athletic enough that if he does it on a full-time basis you could see a much more effective guy he's not Von Miller never will be but I like him and I think for what he is, I think there could be a really good value signing there in the mold of Jabal Sheard a couple of years ago. How I feel that they've gotten a lot of value out of that Jabal Sheard signing. And then also want to call your attention to, there's there's also four other guys in that story you'll see. also want to call your attention to a piece that I just recently uh, filed that will be posting here on Monday. Uh, it's a piece on Chris Ballard's basically his free agent scorecard from the past two years because I think I hear this a lot from people on social media which I, and I got to stop listening to it but the point is I hear a lot of feedback saying what is Ballard doing what is Ballard doing why won't he go hard on free agency and the appropriate answer to that is he has pay attention <laughs> okay now it's not him signing the guys you want all the time okay and I will give you that look I understand He's not signing household names. But if you look at the results that he's gotten in free agency, the results are there. I talked about Jabal Sheard. I talked, I've, I've written extensively about guys like Eric Ebron and certainly uh, the contributions they got last year from Danico Autry. I mean, those were two of their best players on the entire team last year. And what were they? Free agent signings. See how that works? So, listen, I, I tried to give a pretty fair depiction of how Chris Ballard has feared in free agency. Look, there have also been guys like uh, Jeff Locke, 
okay, the punter he signed two years ago who got released uh, before the regular season even started. But, you know, the caveat there is they got Rigo Sanchez, and turns out that kid's a pretty good punter. So all in all, though, I, I think you have to give Chris Ballard his due. And I think the results kind of speak for themselves. So dig into that. If you're not a subscriber, uh, go on to theathletic.com, click on any of those NFL stories, and it'll give you the opportunity to subscribe there. Uh, It's not a paywall you can get around, so you have to subscribe, unfortunately. But right now, there's a 40% off offer that runs through the NFL draft. It works out to $2.99 a month. I mean, I spend more than that on my chai tea at Starbucks. You know, I got to start you know, weaning myself off of Starbucks because it's probably taking a bite out of my budget. But the point is, we're not talking about a lot of money. I'd love to have you. Uh, The content is great. So check us out. Uh, Click on my store. You can get that discount as well. Uh, Again, we'd love to have you. Tell me what you think. I want your feedback. Hit me up on Twitter. Holder Steven, H-O-L-D-E-R-S-T-E-P-H-E-N. Instagram, you know where to find me. As I said, there and at The Athletic. So that's the rundown. I'll be back here. Uh, let's see. I don't want to put a timeline on it, but let's see how the news goes, and I'll, I'll react accordingly here in the next week or so uh, based on what's going on. But I'll be back. I won't be a stranger, I promise. And I really appreciate you guys listening and reading and following along. Thanks for listening. I'm Stephen Holder, and this is Horseshoes with Holder. Horseshoes with Holder.